0: The biggest battle we will ever have to face is the battle between you and you. It's the battle of taking your mind to that limit and then breaking through. On the Mindful Experiment podcast, we will share concepts, universal laws, and interviewing individuals who have done just that, who have gone through the dark times and through those moments, allowed their light to shine bright. I'm your host, Dr. Rick Manzo, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and taking this journey with me as we discover different avenues to break through those limits, expand your reality, and evolve into the person you desire to be. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This show is sponsored by Empower Your Reality. Empower Your Reality is an online consciousness school that is designed to help you elevate the mind, raise your consciousness, your vibration, to attract and create the reality of what it is that you desire. On Empower, yeah, the power of your Reality, we have books, we have online classes, you can find the podcast here on there, and other things that can help you elevate and re- truly learn the art and the science of creating the reality of what it is that you want to experience in your life. So for more information to check out all that we're up to and what we're doing, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. Now, back to the show. Hey guys, it's Dr. Vic, and you're listening to another episode here on The Mindful Experiment. As we each week interview someone to share something to help us level up, to expand in our life and our consciousness or any aspects of what we do when it comes to trying to achieve the freedom that I think we all are looking for. This week, I had the distinct honor to interview Ben Markovitz, and what a great conversation we had about growth, the growth cycle, how to grow in our lives, and the amazing work he's doing working with individuals and the power behind recognition, no matter if you're a CEO, an executive, an employer in sports, a coach, whatever it is, the power behind recognition and so much more. Just to share a little bit about Ben. He's a champion for growth, leadership expert, and the founder and CEO of the Rise Institute. Ben is a champion for growth, and the big aspect is, is he helps individuals to advance their understanding that human beings can grow and develop beyond their estimations, and that expecting radical growth from those who struggle can and should be the norm. Using his expertise in consulting work, background in education, and boots on the ground research on human behavior, Ben helps leaders accelerate their work and generate breakthrough performance in their employees. He believes the world will be transformed if people understand and recognize the possibilities for growth within everyone. Uh, Ben challenges the traditional beliefs about human behavior in his consulting work using the growth cycle and method he developed to explain why people tend to radically underestimate themselves and how, when pushed by someone with higher expectations, they always get better. What a great interview we have. We dive deep into the growth cycle and so much more. I'm really, really excited to share with you guys all about Ben and our great conversation we had. So without any more further ado, here is Ben Markovitz. Ben, welcome to the show.
2: It's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm excited to have you on. I am a huge fan and component of growth in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I'm a big student of life, always will be. And so to be able to pick your brain about growth and all these different things that we can do in our life, I uh, appreciate you taking time to share with us here at the community of the, the tribe of the Mindful Experiment.
2: I'm, I'm really excited.
0: So as all the listeners know, when I'm interviewing someone, there's the first question I ask, I always tell them, this is what I, I had someone ask me, you asked the same question every time to every interviewer for the last three years. I'm like, that's <laughs> the purpose of this. This is this is the only thing that's like scheduled in this whole thing. <laughs> and so I'm curious. And I and the reason why I do that too is just because uh, it's really critical to people to get to know your story and, 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 and kind of, for me, at least it was growing up, I thought you choose a road and that's the way you go in life. And that's just how it is. And you, you, you make your path. Path. Um, that hasn't worked for me, and I haven't interviewed someone yet who has the same experience, uh, who just made a choice. So how did you get into what you're doing?
2: Yeah, I, um, uh, I'm an educator by training, and um, the last, you know, legit job that I had was as um, a school principal and leader of, of school principals in uh, New Orleans and, and Louisiana, uh, where we ran high schools uh, for kids who had experienced, you know, just far too many disadvantages in their lives. Uh, we had uh, rates of um, uh, special education that were typically much higher than uh, the surrounding areas. We had rates of student incarceration uh, that were uh, higher than even the the schools built for incarcerated students. Uh, it was it was a, a challenge, and the experience of seeing success in that environment naturally feeds the, the desire to understand how people can grow, uh, even when uh, you don't expect them to, because that was actually our full-time job. Uh, I think the most important thing that I understood um, came a few years into my, uh, my tenure as a principal and school leader, uh, where my wife and I, we had, our, we had our first kid, a little girl named me, And she had to have a heart surgery right after she was born something went wrong in the surgery and a group of doctors sat us down and said that uh, essentially her life was over, that she had, she had no chance of developing at all. She had a massive brain injury, a massive stroke, uh, and uh, she wasn't going to be able to see or talk or walk or uh, think the way we would expect uh, normal folks to think. Uh, and uh, she had a 0% chance of, of developing at all. Uh, and that was when I really had to test a lot of this you know in my head at the time preaching I was doing in my job about we have to believe in what we think is impossible, and we have to expect kids to grow even when they haven't been able to, or somebody tells us they can't you know now i was I was in that situation with my own kid, and uh, I didn't hold up as well um, and uh, so in 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 the months that followed that. I really was forced to kind of apply some of the thinking that I had already done at work uh, to my own situation, which was much harder to do. Uh, but, but long story short, uh, it ended up being you know, pretty true uh, that the way you help somebody grow um, is, uh, is easier, actually, than most of us think. Uh, but the hardest part is understanding that situations that don't seem to uh, indicate Uh, future growth do in fact have tons of potential. And there are some really clear things that we can all do uh, to make sure that potential uh, is realized. And uh, once I started seeing that in my own kid who did start developing, defying all the doctors, and we kept doing it in our schools, sending kids who are, you know, five, six grade levels behind when they came into ninth grade off to college, you know, that data set essentially around how we're seeing growth in so many people we would not expect it from uh, seemed so rich that I wanted to do more things with it. Uh, and, you know, uh, fortunately at the time I had a lot of folks kind of asking about our success and, and wanting my help uh, finding similar success. And so I started, uh, you know, uh, forcing myself to, to write some things down and uh, figure out how how uh folks who are able to get such breakthrough results uh, in the the least expected places were able to do that. And uh, and that's that's been my my passion since then. Kudos to you. I mean, that's just awesome. And it's 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 interesting
0: too how life does this. This has happened to me as a chiropractor many times and, and even in the mindset world too, where you teach things and you you share it, and then all of a sudden becomes personal, you go through a personal experience and you're just like hold up here. This is a little bit, I got to go, I got to dig a little deeper here mm. and, and then you go through it. But then on the other side of it, when you do you, you, as always, you always grow from that. But um, it's the thing that I've always experienced. Like it helps me to relate to my patients way more than uh, in that essence. So sometimes I'm like, I know what you're going through. And they're like, no, you don't. And I'm like, let me share a quick story then. Mm-hmm. And then I share it with them. And they're like, how did you get through that? I was like, you know, it's just what I tell you is what I had to be telling myself <laughs>
2: So, so yeah,
0: I love that. Um, why do you think it is that people don't want to grow?
2: Well, I, I think every person wants to grow. I think we get tons of messages that stop us uh, in our path, right? The, um, the most likely thing that happens when uh, we want to grow in something is we try it and we don't do so well. Uh, so if you, um, I don't know, take the first time you learned some sort of eth- Skill, like throwing a ball or trying to, you know, put a basketball through a hoop, uh, you know, initially you probably experienced a ton of struggle uh, and, and, and limited success doing that. And uh, if you looked at that data set and said, uh, well, here's me in the basketball, you'd say, I can't grow in this because I've spent five minutes doing it and uh, it's not working. So. Fortunately, you know, uh, with a little help, you could maybe you know get a ball through a hoop once or twice, and those little moments of success are pivotal because that's what made your brain believe you could actually do this thing. And uh, the moment where you understood that that you could be successful at it, you then had a little bit of energy to try harder. And did more and more until eventually you were able to do that consistently. So noticing these little moments of success produce that belief in yourself and you're you're on your you know uh, however however slow and steady, a road to being a pretty high performer. and this is something that you can't miss if you're working in schools that um, are serving a lot of kids who uh, who've had struggle in their lives. and um, the very first year we opened a school uh, back in two thousand and eight. And the very first year, our kids were coming in multiple grade levels behind, uh, ha- had not had great experiences in school beforehand, and uh, we just worked them to the bone. I mean, I, I, you know, I can't imagine uh, being a kid in high school working this hard myself. Uh, but they did it, and they cranked and cranked, and by the end of the year, um, they were uh, one of the highest performing schools in the city, and. That was a remarkable thing, but what was far more remarkable was that when they came back the next year with the identity of some of the highest performing students in the city, they did way better and they grew way more than they had the year before, even without working quite as hard as they did. And the class that came in behind them who hadn't joined our school yet knew that school as one where the highest performing kids in the city attended, and they themselves had that identity and started working harder right off the bat. And and that's when I started to understand more about, it's actually uh, a huge misunderstanding we have that you work and work and work in order to feel proud of yourself. It's actually much uh, more effective to become proud of yourself to begin with, to know to have an identity of a high performer and then work to live up to it. And that is in fact, when you see people sort of unpredicted surprising growth happened, usually the order in which uh, those events took place. And so we essentially systematized that. We said, we're gonna change identity first. We're gonna treat every kid like a high performer, convince them that's who they are because in fact, we know that's who they are. Um, and then the work comes, not vice versa. I
0: like that. So it's focusing on the beingness of the child or the mindset to see something as who, you know, belief system and who they are, would you kind of say to get them to that state rather exactly. than the doing aspect?
2: Yeah, it's it's creating a high expectation for yourself and allowing that to affect your identity, which then changes your performance. So that's that's kind of um, the approach I, I love to take now that I work so much outside of education uh, in just, you know, plain executive coaching, the the first reaction that most people have to underperformance is is to be pretty uh, upset by it. Uh, so if you're if you're managing someone who's struggling, that's that person often becomes your lowest priority. And uh, the idea that they could in fact grow that within them is the potential that you know our teachers saw in ninth graders who had never succeeded. Uh, and were forced to help succeed, if we all treated our employees that way, uh, we would you know, not only be seeing growth all the time, but we'd have a pretty extraordinary competitive advantage.
0: I love that. And what are the, some of the the processes behind this? Because I mean, if you're working with, you know, kiddos who are behind and, you know, I'm assuming that when, when it comes to behind in school, uh, I'm assuming that they already have this mindset of like, okay, I'm, this is just who I am, right? You got people telling them this is how they are. Um, how do you shift that to to get them into this radical growth aspect of things?
2: Yeah. One of the, one of the most effective things uh, that most of us can start doing really quickly um, not just teachers but anybody who's leading anyone um, is uh, using praise to amplify results using recognition to amplify results Um, and uh, you know general rule not 100% of the time but but pretty pretty darn often uh, what what gets recognized gets repeated so being attentive to the tiny positive choices uh, in those you lead, whether it's uh, you know, kids in a classroom or employees uh, in, in your workspace, um, is, uh, is a focus every day uh, for super growers. Um, and so you know, if when you were uh, throwing that basketball and missing that hoop, um, if a parent observed that you were actually doing you know, 10% better uh, this past hour than you were doing when you first started and noted all the things you were doing right, how much faster you would improve uh, than if you were just on your own missing that basketball hoop. Um, So if your new boss remarked on all the ways you went above and beyond your first day on the job, how much harder would you have pushed yourself on the second day? Um, So I think for, for folks who are feeling like underperformers or folks who are identified as underperformers, a quick acknowledgement of the tiniest positive choices um, can set off this kind of virtuous cycle that improves performance relentlessly. Um, So writing an email, pulling somebody aside after a meeting, uh, acknowledging them during a group setting, um, if they try again and get noticed, uh, the efforts they're willing to make now have just dramatically increased, which then does increase performance. So you're sort of constantly raising somebody's uh, identity, and, and therefore the, the standard for their own behavior. Um, you know, Knowing that you're having more wins than failures is not something that we do by sitting around and looking at our day and counting. We do it based on how we feel. Did we feel like we had more wins than failures today? And a leader is often in control of, of how you feel about that. And so if somebody uh, is feeling uh, things they did right, uh, more than they're feeling all the things they did wrong, then they're going to push to do more things right. And uh, we underestimate how much that set of small, tiny choices uh, can turn somebody from, uh, you know, struggle zone to, to one of our most reliable uh, employees, partners, students, um, and so on. So I think it's starting that virtuous cycle, virtual cycle with, with the tiniest uh, uh, possible things, recognition, praise, uh, about choices.
0: I couldn't agree with you more with that. I mean, I remember in high school, I was playing uh, baseball for my high school. um, And then I also played semi-pro, which was something I shouldn't have been doing at the time, (laughs) um, do the age. And then high school had a rule where if you play for the high school, you can't play anywhere else. And I couldn't understand. I understand now, um, but in the middle of it all, I would play for the high school and I wasn't doing well. I wasn't hitting well. The coaches were really harsh. Um, just not a great growth environment, like you're saying, kind of appreciative of what you're doing. Like if I had a great day, I was benched the next day. It never made sense to me. Um, but then on the semi-pro team, which I'm only 17 years old, I was started at 16, but 16, 17, playing a league that you should be 18 and older. Um, but my coach was very praising. He would be like, mm-hmm. I got you. I know you can do this. Go out there, do your thing. And after a couple games of letting him see me do that, I was killing it in the league. And I'm going, what's the difference? The competition's even harder here than it is in than I'm, what I'm dealing with in high school. But yet I can't shift. I couldn't make that shift. Uh, I didn't have the tools at the time. Um, but what I realized over time is exactly what you're saying is that recognition is massively huge because sometimes and most of the times we live in a very negative world. We're not getting that in some way, shape or form.
2: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's fascinating to think about uh, sports in this. Um, you're just reminding me of um, the story that the, the writer Michael Lewis has, uh, who writes a lot about his youth uh, in baseball and uh, how he was put in as a starting pitcher by his coach in high school in a really tough moment for his team. Uh, and he did not feel like a good pitcher. And he was, uh, as soon as he was called out to the mound, it was clear to him that he was about to experience the worst humiliation of his life. Uh, this would be a story uh, that was told about him forever, that he had dragged his team down in a pivotal moment. And as he went out there, his coach just pulled him aside and said, there's nobody I'd want up there more than you right now. And it was a confusing moment for him at first because he had to find out why. Why wouldn't my coach say that? But long story short, right, as he walked the mound, he figured it out. Right, he he saw what this guy saw in him because he was forced to, and those became the focal points that he had while he was pitching, and he ended up doing much better, and he ended up being star pitcher, starting pitcher regularly on that team, and I think that's just a really critical thing if we take it to an environment um, where we're seeing, uh, you know, in in my past experience, large groups of children um, who are feeling like that all the time as they walk through their their daily lives, particularly in school. Um, I'll. I'll Think of a, a, a student uh, I used to teach, I 'll call him Michael, and I, I will confess up front that I and, and many other adults in his life um, once saw very little potential in, in Michael, um, and most, most of that was due to you know, ongoing disruptions, uh, pretty active temper in class. Um, and I remember just one day, uh, you know I was handing protractors for a lesson and I set a protractor down on his desk, and I heard him mumble something, uh, which I don't think i had heard him say to me before, and it was the word, thanks. Um, and I have no idea why this, in my mind, perpetually disruptive, perpetually angry kid uh, decided to thank me, the protractor, that day. <laughs> uh, but when I passed his desk um, in, a, in a couple minutes, uh, I just happened to lean over and say, you know, hey, Michael, I, I appreciated uh, your thanking me right there when you got your protractor. It made me feel good. Um, and, you know, if I can think back on that moment as, as magical, um, it's just this simple exchange, um, his thanks followed by my acknowledgement, uh, just set off this long journey for, for us and, and our relationship in school. And hearing me describe him positively. Um, allowed him this tiny entry point, uh, which became an ability to see himself as a better student, um, which allowed him for a few minutes to live up to that in class, uh, working harder on his problem set and 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 not being disruptive uh, that day, for example. And then when I remarked again on how those moves were positive, he pushed himself even more. And so we, we both raised our expectations. And again, this virtuous cycle. Um, you know, th- this guy is now a teacher himself in, in schools. Um, and I now see that so much of his struggle with performance uh, was about his identity being bruised. You know, he'd, he'd had low expectations for himself. And, and that was mirroring the low expectations everyone else had for him. And so the lesson there is that a leader can change that. And it doesn't take much, but it's not a move that most of us are making.
0: I, I you, you're sharing a story that's very similar to mine where um, another baseball story where it was kind of the same thing, same same high, high school team, bases loaded, two outs, the biggest, the best hitter in the league is up to bat. And the coach looks at me and says, you got this, go up there, do your thing. Mm-hmm. And just by him saying that, I walked onto the mound. I didn't have a lot of confidence as a kid growing up, but with him saying that, I went on the mound, I threw three pitches all fastballs, struck them out, won the game, and even my co- play co- teammates were like, "How oh, man, you got to why can't you pitch like that all the time and this and that?" And again, didn't strike me at the age of understanding, uh, but I was like, "Wow, why can't I pitch like that all the time?" And then exactly. I realized, you get that that extra confidence or that recognition or that that faith to say, "Hey, you got this," or even just, you know, it's like a coach or a, a mentor or a, a, a mentor whatever it may be, they always pick out the things you already have, right? right. And doing that. Um, so I digress, but it when it comes to growth, is there like cycles to it? I mean, how does that work? Is it or is it just, you know, is it just as simple as a being this thing, or is there more to it?
2: Yeah, no, it's it's this idea of flipping the the notion that pride and identity uh follows practice and performance, and and instead saying, let's set the expectation, let's build your identity and then watch your performance grow. And uh, you know something that I could see happen, you know, all the time. We're talking about athletics and school because that's a very simple uh, way to describe performance improvement. Um, but in uh, in the workspace, uh, in in the daily life of adults, um, this is a missed opportunity all the time. Uh, so again, you know, if if we're leading. We're seeing uh, often the people we lead in uh, a kind of set of categories of, you know, here's here's somebody I can rely on, here's somebody who I think goes above and beyond. they're a superstar, and then here are the people who are kind of uh, you know, on their way out in my mind, or I'm holding on to them, hoping they can get better. Um, and uh, if we were to look at that last group and instead of uh, worrying all the time about how they're doing, We were to take, uh, you know, 20 minutes a day, focus on either how they're performing in a meeting, uh, how they're working on a call or in a communication with a client or uh, an email they sent, 20 minutes, and pick out one positive choice they've made, send some recognition of that to them and saying, this is the kind of work that I had expected from you when I hired you. I knew you were a high performer. Keep this up regardless of how many other mistakes they're making, the fact that you did that means that they have spent a moment in the identity of a high performer. And they know that's the identity you expect from them. And just like you, after throwing those three pitches, they are now asking themselves, why aren't I doing that all the time? And that identity fuels their choices to do that all the time. And it also means that they are now invested a lot more in growing. Now, can I do that in more spaces? Can I do that with more choices and more aspects of my job? And so if we're ever looking at a high performer and in their backstory is you know a couple of years ago, I was a terrible low performer and nobody thought I would make it, invariably the change moment occurred when a leader convinced them of a higher expectation and gave them that identity. So that's the cycle is once you have that higher identity, you're going to create a higher performance model for yourself, your own instinctively. And then once you achieve, uh, you'll actually increase that identity, and it starts again. Um, So leaders are frequently doing the opposite. We are noticing because we're taught to improve folks and give them feedback, and that makes sense. We're noticing the negative uh, aspects of people's performance. Uh, We're communicating those things. And if we're not communicating a positive identity alongside that, we're communicating a negative identity, and the people we're leading do two things they they, they number one they they uh, they feel like they are low performers, and so they don't have a higher identity to live up to and the other thing is they feel like they may have already lost your approval and they have no evidence that they can get it back and that's why you see so many underperformers becoming toxic uh, in in the workspace right because They've lost all hope of your approval, and they've lost all hope in their mind of of their leaders' uh, good graces. And they go seek it with others, right? They they usually seek it against you. Um, And if you are giving them instead a huge uh, set of examples of how they've done well, they're not only tempted to live up to that identity and make those choices, but they're also given proof that you're watching their performance you are in fact ready to approve of them when they succeed. And they do in fact have uh, a hope of a a great life and a great working relationship where where they are. So um, that is the cycle that I think uh, most of us are in. And we can reverse it by in those moments where we're tempted to be quite honestly uh, you know, uh, dispirited, maybe even disgusted by somebody's low performance. We choose instead to focus on one tiny thing they're doing right and communicate that. And allow that to change our dynamic with, with that person.
0: So as a leader, as like an entrepreneur or a CEO or someone who's an employer, um, so is the focus then, let's say you have someone, how do you approach them if they're doing things um, not as the level or the expectation that you want? Is it giving them recognition at the level of the things they are, even the small things that they are improving? Um, how would you address that constructive criticism to an
2: employee? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. So you're you're dealing with uh somebody who's making say uh you know uh nine negative choices a day and and one positive choice a day. Um the, the key is not to ignore the the nine and and only describe uh the one positive choice. Uh the key is actually to start with the positive choice and let them know that's what you expect. So uh, these other nine negative choices, we know those need to change. Uh, they are not in my mind who you are. They are not who I hired. They are not who I know you will be. But this one positive choice, this one time you got everything in on time, you uh, put a lot of thorough care into it, uh, you uh, clearly uh, brought some passion and so on, all those things you did that time, that's who I expect you to be. And I was really excited to see you do that. Um, so I'm not I'm not sure why these other nine times that's not happening. But you're really convincing me of who you are when you did this one thing. And uh, for the person who's hearing that, right, that that suddenly goes from being a you know a, a 90% loss to a 10% gain, uh, and they come out of their day feeling like I, I may be winning. And uh, you know a winner wants not to lose, uh, and and so the next day is very different for that person. Uh, and and a lot of us just don't expect that to happen because we're not trying it a lot. It's not our instinct, and uh, and so we don't have evidence that that works. Um, but I'm pretty convinced of it. Teachers all over the country have evidence that that works, and uh, and most of us, most of us who are who are leading uh, outside of the classroom uh, don't. And so I'm I'm interested in in what those two groups can learn from each other, especially around what it takes uh, to to find growth where you least expect it. I love that. I
0: like that. I think that's a great way of approaching things just to, you know, help build them up, build their confidence, because maybe they don't have that. And, and you're being that opportunity to do just that. Exactly. Love that. You have something called the 10% principle. Can you tell me a little bit about that and how to play a huge role in your life?
2: Yeah. Um, so uh, when uh, we learned that our, our daughter, you know, at, at five days old had had this massive brain injury during, during um, the, the doctors, as I said, told us, uh, that she had essentially a 0% chance of developing at all. And, uh, of course the, the days and weeks and months that followed that were, were, were dark ones, uh, and very strangely dark because there's all this planning you have to do. There's all these forms to sign all these doctors to talk to. And so you're kind of, Walking between two selves uh where you're just down in the in in the darkness uh, and then also have to kind of pick yourself up uh all the time to do a lot of, kind of business like things, planning for this zero percent chance um, and uh you know there's one day uh, a few weeks into it where a doctor uh not really knowing uh how important it was uh just mentioned to us that. You know, he wouldn't. He wouldn't consider it a zero percent chance. He'd consider it about a ten percent chance of of development. And you know he walked away from that conversation uh, feeling like not much had happened. But uh, for for my wife and for me, uh, this was obviously uh, one of the most important moments in in, in our lives. Um, uh, and also, uh, looking back, the most important one for me as an educator, because what I realized is when a parent here's the chances um, are 10% instead of zero, all that planning we were doing for a 0% chance changes into totally different planning. And and by the way, not planning for a 10% chance. It changes into planning for a 100% chance. So if there is the smallest possibility that she's going to grow, and you're a parent, and of course, as we are parents with with means and resources, uh, not everybody has those. you are going to do everything possible as if that doctor had just said to us, there's a 100% chance she's going to develop. Our behavior was different than if we had heard that instead of 10%. And so that, that's what the, the 10% idea uh, became for us in our schools was that like, that's actually how school should be. Kid comes to you with you know uh, a zero to five or a zero to 10 or 20% chance of succeeding. The school's job is to operate like that is definitely going to happen. One hundred percent chance of success, and and if we don't make that happen as teachers, that's our problem, not the kids. And lo and behold, that's how we became as parents. That's how we became as educators. And that's what I'm hoping to help leaders uh, in all spaces do. Um, we're not, you know, we're not forced to do that the way parents and educators feel compelled to do that on a regular basis. We have the option to to get rid of people if we're bosses. We have the option to kind of. Uh, you know, move, move them out of our, out of our path uh, if, if we have control over our team. Uh, but I think taking a cue from, from my experience as a parent and all these educators' experiences that I've gotten to know so well, uh, we don't have to do that, right? We can, we can take the smallest possibility of growth and turn it into a 100% chance of growth. And if that's our expectation, it's actually not going to take a ton energy expense to make it is, however, going to take some you know pretty abrupt changes in 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 mindset on a regular basis, and that's where folks uh, usually get get held up.
0: I think that's it's amazing because it's it's really looking at where you're putting energy of focus, right? In in looking exactly. at that right, the ten percent versus oh no, this is this ten percent is my hundred percent. This is where I'm putting my energy into, rather than well, there's a 10% chance, but there's a 90% chance this is not going to happen. And so you're kind of like, eh,
2: I really don't have faith in that 10. So I'm going to go with a um, 90. Yeah, is- I've seen somebody do this with, you know, employee who's doing absolutely nothing right, except showing up on time. And, uh, and so we just sat down and decided, you know, what are we going to do about this person? And, and I asked, you know, what's the one thing they're doing right? And uh, and uh, this this client said, uh, you know, they show up on time. Uh, I said, why don't you let them know how important that is? Um, And he was really, isn't that setting a low expectation? I said, no, you're not saying they're amazing for doing it. You're not saying uh, it's even above and beyond what you expect. You're just letting them know that you notice they do that thing right. Uh, And you know, lo and behold, that person's relationship with this boss changed. This person sees what I'm doing right. This person will likely see more things that I do right if I make the effort to do that. That has now become my focus, and sometimes it can be as simple as that. That's interesting. Yeah, because sometimes I, as a, as a,
0: an employer and stuff, I'm always like, you know, what is. Too much of like saying, like, yeah, I'm giving them all this credit for like the littlest things, lowering the bar in a sense, versus this is what I need to do as recognition to help the individual grow and expand and be like, hey, we got you. This is great. But I like how you said that. It's not amazing, but it's, I'm recognizing it. I know that you're doing that. And, you know, let's,
2: let's keep that up. Let's keep moving forward, you know, something along those lines. Yeah. It's not at all uh, an intention to deceive somebody, uh, it's, it's actually being honest with them about something you're not likely to share, which is that going through your day, you notice employees uh, and you think lots of thoughts about them. And some of them are good and some of them are negative. What we don't often do is take account of what's in the good column and then share them openly uh, with our employees. That's actually a a kind of dishonesty that we don't know is hurting us uh, in our ability to develop people. Uh, We uh, then have folks walking around not only lacking validation or lacking a sense of um, uh, you know, community with their boss or their workspace, but lacking an understanding of what you expect. Uh, you know, these are things you're doing that are meeting expectations, and these are things you're doing that are not. I'm not going to be dishonest about any of those things, but I'm noticing all of them, not just the negative ones. And if somebody expects that you will notice every positive choice that they make, they're going to make all those positive choices. And of course, you can't watch them all day and, and notice all of those. But the fact that you have the potential to just demonstrating that once in a while is often enough. I love that.
0: Now, I got a question to ask, and I know it's probably your daughter, if anything, but like with your work and what you've been doing, what is the one of the most inspiring stories outside your daughter um, that has just awed you in the work that you do?
2: I think the, um, the stories where um, uh, a, a child has uh, come to us uh, in our schools uh, with no history of success uh, in, in the school space in their lives. And, and you know we're working usually with older kids, kids in their mid to late teens. And uh, so that's a long time to have had no success in schools. Your relationship with school is, is going to be next. Uh, and, uh, there are kids in that situation and, and they will, uh, you know, I'm thinking of, of one kid, I'll, I'll, I'll call him, uh, Marcus, uh, who, uh, at, you know, one point was, I think, you know, cursing me out, uh, 20 times a day. Uh, certainly, you know uh, every teacher expected if they if they demanded anything of him, they were going to get a strong uh, you know f bomb in their face right away. and uh, the The work that we did was essentially uh, noticing every time uh, that instead of twenty curses, <laughs> it was nineteen, and we acknowledged that that was an improvement to him, which you know nobody usually even notices. Uh, and certainly wouldn't consider something worth recognizing, uh, our teachers did. And uh, Marcus, um, you saw him gain faith in uh, people who are leading him, and of course, in himself. And so that one time it went from 20 to 19, and he heard about it. He's now inspired to go to 15, he's inspired to go to zero, and he's inspired to start doing some things in class that really help him out. Uh, And he's also inspired to uh, make connections with, uh, you know, adults around him who are really interested in helping him succeed. You know, he's gone off uh, to to the armed forces and had a very successful uh, career. You know, he's working in engineering uh, now. Uh, He's gone to college and, uh, you know, there's there's no child who uh, you know uh, a, a school can uh, look at and say we take we take credit f- fully for his success because that's so internal to them, but uh, watching how they get there and how adults can play a role in that uh, is an invaluable experience and I have to think about it all the time because when I when I work with adults. Uh, whether they're in education or whether they're in a tech startup or whether they're in a, a, you know, a FinTech firm that I happen to be working with. uh, I have to bring that moment in there because it's, it's not just an example of a a kind of bizarre thing that happened to work out. It is an example of uh, a um, mostly, uh, you know, uh, uh, considered hopeless reality uh, that is in fact hopeful because of highly specific choices that we are making. And um, if we can uh, those choices and extract them from, from those moments with children uh, and apply them to moments uh, everywhere, uh, we, we are doing something radically different that, that is, uh, as I said before, not, not just special and uplifting, but um, competitive and, and competitive.
0: I think that's just amazing. I love that. And, it, and it's simple, right? It's not something complex rocket science. It's just, here's the simple process to do. And as long as you continue to do that, they will start to turn the corner and all of a sudden you'll see them grow, have more faith, shift their identity, and all of a sudden be able to uh, have that life that they that
2: achieve those levels that they want to achieve. Exactly. And, you know, I'm, I'm essentially only describing the things that you can start doing, you know, this afternoon, um, what, folks who are really good at this do is they, they build it into their hiring process, right? They, they build it into their onboarding. You know, if, you're, if you're joining our team, here are the things that you are choosing uh, to be, not just to do, but if, you are, if you're joining our team, you're choosing to be uh, among the most thoughtful and competitive uh, workers in this field. And that's what we expect from you. Do you want to join this team? And so if you know, a candidate says yes to that, uh, you've already started them on that process of communicating that identity. And if, you know, their first days on the job are spent around peers who are representing that identity, who can inspire them, who they want to live up to, and you happen to drop a few notes of praise on them for doing the right first couple of hours, you've extended that virtuous cycle, uh, you know, at least a, a number of months. Uh, and so in the month's time, you've got even more data uh, to, to help uh, grow that cycle. So, uh, you know, folks who are doing this regularly, it's it's a whole system from uh, culture building to hiring to uh, onboarding to uh, daily management practices. And I do believe that those who start, uh, you know, this afternoon by just recognizing what they see and saying it out loud uh, are going to actually learn to do that and instinctively start building those things into their overall uh, support process.
0: I like that move. That's like a little bit of set planning and like you're pre-faming things. And then as they join on board, it's like, yep, here we go. We, this is how it, how it is. It's exciting to watch. I love that. Ben, uh, loved, I could chat with you all day. How can people connect with you, find you, and all the things that you're doing and what you're up to?
2: Yeah, um, you can uh, check out uh, benmarkovitz.com. Uh, and my, my last name is with a C and a V, which is tricky. Uh, and uh, if you go there, you can actually... Um, probably a good place to start is a little uh, survey that we call the the growth bias indicator, which essentially allows you to kind of uh, ask yourself some questions and see if this is the kind of thing you're already doing as a leader and as a partner. Um, And uh, it'll point out kind of where where you can take it next and you can start using those things, you know, the next day. Love that. For all the listeners, I will
0: have all that information in the show notes. Um, Ben, thanks for being on. Thanks for uh, sharing your wonderful wealth of knowledge on growth, the growth cycle, how we can not only help our own self, but also as uh, for employer, CEO, or just anything in general in life, sports, you name it, how to really help individuals grow to the level where they want to go, or even yourself for that matter. It was really fun to talk to you about it. Thanks. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is Doctor Vic 21 Follow us on Instagram, www.instagram.com forward slash Manzo. If you were inspired by the podcast, pay it forward by sharing it with someone who you know can benefit from it. Thank you again for listening to the Mindful Experiment podcast, sharing paths to help you rediscover your infinite potential.